Hello and welcome to another episode of It Came From The Page, a Halloween podcasting extravaganza, which is all of October. You know this. It's a thing. We've established this in other episodes. But as always, I'm joined by the lovely, the amazing Kelly. Hello, Kelly. Hello. How you doing? Good. How you doing? I'm doing all right. Yep. Awesome, awesome. And we're also joined by Jason. Hello, Jason. Also lovely. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. The lovely, scholarly, uh, educated, beyond belief, um, has made his time machine and has gone back to get the real stories of all of this. <laughs> yes, it's true. As, as we'll talk about, he is actually the one who wrote the script for the 1932 uh, Frankenstein serial, and that's why it's uh, Julio. So this is kind of like <laughs> uh, we'll get to that. But yes, so yeah. today we are covering the 1932 serialized version of Frankenstein. And we are also covering the 19, is it 37 or 39? 38. None of the above. Right yes. in the middle there. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. the sweet spot. 1938 uh, Mercury Theater uh, presentation mm-hmm. by... The other loving Orson Welles um, on Dracula. Um, one is considerably shorter than the other uh, <laughs> because uh, the 1932 version of Frankenstein is a full-on radio serial. So it, it, it runs for about three hours, give or take um, how many times you need to pause to laugh <laughs> at the proceedings. It's true. <laughs> and, I don't know what you're talking about. uh and the uh the mercury theater in the air one is just about about an hour just under an hour um and yeah i I can't wait to get into this but you know as always we have a we have something we do every time and it's called the jason's occult corner yeah this is um a 13 part series you're gonna have to come back every week to um hear all of no this is gonna be considerably shorter intro just because there's not a lot about especially the frankenstein uh radio play but there's there's some stuff here there's some stuff here so you know uh, first i just want to acknowledge some of the uh resources i use don glute's book the frankenstein legend has a really nice you know uh half a chapter on this frankenstein serial that dude has everything covered you know, also, of course, the, the 1938 radio series itself the, from the Mercury Theater, um, as well as the uh, Frankenstein, the 1932 uh, radio play. You know, also uh, a piece in The New Yorker from 1940, Squeak Slams Echoes in Shots, that covers this Dracula radio play live, which was, is really cool. And a piece in The City Morning Herald from August 4th, or, I'm sorry, August 29th, 1953. What were they? What were they doing in 1953? Why the fuck are they doing? What are they talking? Isn't there like commies to fight? Why are they no, talking? they're they're talking about my friend and your friend George Edwards. So we'll we'll get into that. <laughs> oh yes, dear dear close yeah. friend George. Much Edwards. more interesting fellow than I think you're going to anticipate. Oh, so we'll talk I'm, about I'm uh, exciting. A little over three months before the infamous War of the Worlds broadcast on October 30th. Perhaps the most well-known fictional broadcast in history, 
The Mercury Theater began its 13-week summer show on July 11th of 1938 with a little episode titled Dracula, which you know, was broadcast at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. The Mercury Theater itself was an independent company in New York City founded in 1937, but the story actually began in 1935. While working under a project titled The Federal Theater Project, John Houseman, who would become a longtime Wells collaborator, invited the 20-year-old Orson Welles to join him on the project, which was funded by the Works Progress Administration, a New Deal program. Later, John Houseman would become renowned for playing Charles Kingsfield in The Paper Chase in 1973 and win an Academy Award. But in 1935, he was, in fact, the director of the Negro Theater Unit in New York City. And as such, their first production, Wells and Houseman, was um, an all-black production of William Shakespeare's Macbeth. And although... The setting was taken off the Scottish Moors and brought to a mythical Haitian voodoo court. The production was received rapturously in Harlem in the spring of 1936. After a string of hits, including in 1937, while performing The Credible Rock, which was a socialist musical following the efforts of unionizers trying to outwit greedy corporate businessmen, under pressure from conservative members of Congress due to aggressive labor action occurring all over the country during the Great Depression, the door was padlocked by the WPA on the night of the premiere. After traveling to D.C. and failing to get a reversal, Wells found an alternative venue and marched the waiting audience outside 20 blocks across town to a non-union house. The actors, being prohibited from contributing... Wells sits Marcus Blitzen, the writer and producer of The Cradle Will Rock, at the piano. And as he begins to play the intro music, each actor, like out of the final act of its own dramatic play, join from their seats, doing each part in turn. This moment catapults Wells into the limelight and also breaks Hausman and Wells from the Federal Theater Project, resulting in the creation of the Mercury Theater. And from there, the legend of Orson Wells would continue to grow on stage as all Mercury Theater productions would show the credit line as Orson Welles, production by Orson Welles. By 1938, Welles had also played The Shadow for a year and directed an on-air version, seven-part adaption of Les Mis. So bringing the Mercury Theater to air made perfect sense, especially when CBS came calling. Welles insisted the Mercury crew and actors come along. And he had the clout to do it, as this was an unprecedented request. At the beginning stages, Houseman wrote all the scripts until a year later, it was handed over to Howard E. Cock, who eventually wrote, write, wrote the script for War of the Worlds. All the music for the entire series was composed and conducted by the great future Academy Award winning composer, Bernard Herrmann. The first production of the Mercury Theater, Dracula, was a perfect fit for the sort of mysterious and daring flourishes of Mr. Wells as we get him playing not only the narrator, Dr. Seward, which was an intentional decision by Wells, as it believed radio worked best when you spoke directly to the audience, unlike stage, but also an elegant and ferocious Dracula. Not to mention he worked as sound designer. The sound of the stake being hammered into Dracula at the end was created by Wells in front of the audience at the last moment with a watermelon and a hammer during the hour-long production. 
The result, as I'm sure we'll discuss, is an astonishing hour-long production. Incredibly well-received. And would result in many considering to be the best anthologized radio program in history. As well as an important milestone for a young Wells as his legend began to take shape. Our other story, unfortunately, the same cannot exactly be said for the same sort of fame for the producer of our second adaptation of the night, Mr. George Edwards. The man who would take the first crack at adapting the Frankenstein story to the age of radio in a 13-part serial and also play the titular character in a less British, older version of the character created one of the most disliked versions of this story ever produced. Most people saying because of its overly dramatic reading and its slavish dedication to the book, despite the intention to be capitalizing on the success of the film. This is a verbose, fluent-speaking Frankenstein's monster of Mary Shelley's novel, complaining loudly about wanting a woman and being too grotesque and threatening the doctor as well as taking place across vast landscapes from Switzerland to Russia to the North Pole and the Black Sea. This resulted in a production that lasted close to three hours when done in 13-minute vignettes, as opposed to the 13-minute to an hour frame time frame of most radio adaptations of classic literature at the time. That being said, there were a couple differences. As we uh, talked about at the beginning, the servant, Julio, was added as a replacement for Fritz of the Frankenstein film. And they changed the name of um, his friend from Henry to Ernest Clevel. Despite Frankenstein, the radio serial's missteps, George Edwards was already a somewhat successful vaudeville actor before producing Frankenstein in 1932, pioneering the radio serial. You see, with its overacting and long diatribes and repetitive recaps, the Frankenstein serial is in some way a groundbreaker, ducking the trends of the one-hour anthology perfected by the Mercury Theater and bringing audiences back week after week for 13 weeks and 15-minute segments, perfect for advertisers and perfect for George Edwards, who was one of the first to produce commercially-sponsored radio plays in Australia. George was born Harold Parks in Adelaide and developed a terrible stutter at a young age, taking speech lessons. His teacher was the same man who would go on to be played by Jeffrey Rush in The King's Speech and would also less famously aid the later George Edwards to continually refuse to build a woman for a laughing monster on the radio. This speech therapy may have played an integral part in young George's life as afterwards he appeared to develop an incredible knack for mimicry and voice acting. He was dubbed the man with a thousand voices and would sometimes play 12 different parts in the same show. And he performed 24 live broadcasts per week by 1934. The perceived failure of Frankenstein was actually its own sort of success for George. As in 1937, it would lead him to begin production of Dad and Dave from Snake Gully, a radio program based on the characters created by Steel Rudd. That's not a real thing. That's fake. Andrew. That's real. It's considered to this day to be the definitive radio play in Australia, <laughs> running until 1953. Can you say that name one more time? Dad and Dave. Ready? 
You ready? You got a pen? Uh, I'm, I'm Dad re- and Dave from Snake Gully. Or just Dad and Dave, <laughs> as it's commonly referred to in Australia, where it is still popular. I'm sorry. Okay. You're laughing at all the Australian listeners that we don't have. Um, and still to this day, being ro- broadcast on radio stations across Australia, as to this day, as well as having a television show adaptation in 1972 that ran for, you guessed it, 13 episodes. You got that? 13 episodes, just like this Frankenstein yeah, You get it? Yeah, no, you get yeah. It? Okay. Wow. Perhaps this yeah, leaves us I, with a good reminder that if... I got it. <laughs> unlike our Dr. Frankenstein, we own up to our failures as creators and deal with them, we could perhaps mine from it a new kind of success, one that we never anticipated. In short, Kelly, Andrew, just make the goddamn Bride of Frankenstein already, you know? Or Frankenstein, whichever you prefer. <laughs> So wait, so what you're proposing is that we make a night a, a in the style of 1932's a, a Frankenstein adaptation of Bride of Frankenstein. Sure. Is what you're sure. saying. I'm for it. Sure. Bride of Julio. Hello. Yeah, I, I know um, I know that I uh, set that up for us to talk about Frankenstein first, but I think we should talk about Dracula first. Probably should talk about Dracula first just because I think we have more to say. Like not that I think one of the things that's fascinating about um, Dracula is is that we probably have less to say, but that's only because it's like really, really good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and if you know, for our one listener, Bosnia, who's trying to learn English from listening to this, stay tuned because you're going to hear at the end a whole lot of discussion about monster genitalia that you can use. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> so- before we get to that, I just want to kind of go around the horn. Um, and just, you know, start starting with Kelly. Um, did you have any, like, have you heard the War of the Worlds broadcast? Yeah. Have you heard much of Wells? What do you think of Wells as a, as a thing? And what did you think of, uh, of, of this particular episode? I think of Wells as a thing. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's what you said. Um, uh, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of Orson Welles's, um, uh, film output and I don't know all of his radio stuff, uh, that well. I know some of his stuff like the, the spinoffs from, uh, the third man and, uh, and war of the world. So, but I'd never heard this before. And honestly, I don't know that I'd ever heard of this before. And so it was, it was, uh, it was really cool to get to listen to it. And holy shit, he was like 23 years old when he made this. Yup. Yeah, he his voice like always sounds like he's like it's mid forties and like has a smoking. Yeah, it problem. sounds like he's been drinking scotch since fucking he was two yeah, years old. Yeah, um, it's kind <laughs> and of let incredible. me tell you, it wasn't scotch that he was that he was on, especially at the end. <laughs> Kelly, have you ever seen the famous? Uh, oh, wine yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh the French yeah dude just showed up <laughs> they said free wine and he said let's do a lot of takes it's gonna be cool <laughs> um no but okay so yeah I really liked this um as a fan of Wells the filmmaker um it was cool to see uh listen to um one of his uh other works in a different medium and um I thought this was just kind of excellent I I listened to this multiple times before recording this episode um it was, uh, it's, it's, it, I kind of liked it more than the War of the Worlds one. I get why that one's more influential and more important, but I, I kind of like, I enjoyed this more. Yeah, I, I think, um, there's, there's going to be an interesting thing to talk about of just that, that the, the layout of the Mercury Theater 
presentations of that time because I thought it was really fascinating that like horror and sci-fi are included with like really big, more like well-known, like more quote-unquote respected um, tales. Like there's some, some Dostoevsky and stuff like that in there. Yep. And I thought that was really interesting that they, you know, that at least at this time, like at least in Wells' perspective, he's clearly doesn't see this as any less than, right? Yeah. And I think that's really interesting because nowadays horror and sci-fi are kind of like the ugly stepchildren of, <laughs> of genre entertainment. Um, and I just thought that, I th- thought that was interesting. Um, but Jason, like what's your history uh, with Orson Welles and uh, what did you think about this? I love Orson Welles. Um, I've listened to a bu- there's a bunch of the Mercury Theater stuff online too that you can um, seek out. Um, I encourage anyone who listens to this and likes this, don't just uh, relegate yourself to this and War of the Worlds. Check out all of the ones out there because they're all fantastic and a huge part of that i think is because he's essentially lifting his entire cast from the stage and putting them on radio you know he knows them front and back right he's taking he's taking center stage um he's an incredible actor he's a huge part of film history um and it's well deserved and i love orson welles as a human being with all his flaws as much as i love him as a um you know, uh, professional. Nice. nice. I, I, um, I think he's, I think he's just an interesting dude. And he's sort of the guy I think actually lives up to the mystique around him in many ways, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm. And yeah, as Kelly said, it's incredible. He's doing what he's doing at 20 years old, you know, 23 years old, whatever. His entire career is just a fascinating um, look at a creative person because in in his eyes, yeah, and, and you could definitely tell it is like, especially there's like interviews and stuff like that from the time of, uh, of him going like, yeah, like I'm the epitome of like peaking early. I made Citizen Kane. Right? <laughs> right? Like, right? Like, and that was so early in his career. Sure. And he, well, and it, this is what his perspective on his career was, um, is that he never had that level of control, never had that level uh, of freedom again. Um, and I thought that, I think that's really fascinating because I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that because I love, like one of my favorite movies of all, all time is F for fake, which yeah. he yes, did like, F for fake. way, <laughs> way later in his life. Yeah. Um, and he has done so many, man, l- let me tell you, he is even great in Transformers movie. He really is. What I would say. He really is. Anyone say, and there's like this interview with him of the time and he's like, I play a toy who eats other kids. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, it's just like this level of disdain, but you cannot tell it in the performance because it's still a fucking banger performance. Like, well, I mean, he's he a, in... I mean, for, you know, this time period, he's a voice actor, right? He's a trained voice actor. You have to think about that, right? Yeah, no, that, that is very true. Like, um, that, that, era of animation still had access to people who would have made a living off of radio right. which is fascinating right um yeah uh, my history with wells is uh you know i'm the epitome of like a wells fanboy i love orson wells i you love really orson wells i loved <laughs> i loved orson... god damn it jesus <laughs> uh, 
I loved Orson Welles before I even knew I loved Orson Welles because I grew up on Pinky and the Brain. Yeah, and I and like I was I love I loved everything about that. And then you eventually find out that Maurice Labash is just doing an Orson Welles. Well, Animaniacs loves fucking Orson Welles too. Like they bring him up any chance they fucking get. You know exactly exactly and then like you know eventually you kind of go into into cinema and getting into his line of work and like i think citizen kane is still great like a lot of people like there's like mm-hmm. a lot of movies from that era and like from that early establishing era that are like gilded classics that don't work for me necessarily uh i'm thinking <clears throat> gone with the wind yeah, I, I don't yeah, like i don't like gone with the wind um and but uh, even other contemporaries uh, of wells don't always work for me uh and i do think that like citizen kane is just a good movie man really like it's is. it's it's still uh-huh. it still holds up it's still really great and 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 i know that there's all these hot takes online now and i'm just telling you make sure you just watch it on your own and then just watch the movie and i think i think one of the problems is is that like what was put on that movie made up such like it, if you are going into film and filmmaking and film studies and you haven't watched the movie yet now it's like this hurdle because it's like supposed to be like everyone calls it the greatest film of all time right mm-hmm. sure. and if you if you go into any movie with that expectation it's not good you right like you you need to meet a film on its own terms and just watch a movie and enjoy a movie and i think that like if you go in with too too crazy of expectations um just you know also it's still a great movie also film twitter is fucking the plague so like they'll just say any fucking thing to get a reaction anyways Uh, right like give it a year and they'll be saying there will be blood is trash too you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) Thomas Anderson. Fuck that guy. More like W.S. Anderson. Am I right? That's coming in like two weeks. I fucking write it down. <laughs> oh, you know. You know it's going to happen. Um, today, today, or and yesterday, everyone was getting mad about the train to Busan. Oh, yeah, even, yeah, 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 yeah. But they didn't click on the article who mentions that it's being made by an Indonesian filmmaker. Yeah. No, I mean... Like, like, nobody clicked on the article, because you can immediately tell. You're like, guys, calm down. Click on the article. (sighs) Oh, who's... Who's, oh, this is like wholly headed by like like an Asian American team. Well, I don't understand... Go on my I don't understand the take of like remakes are awful like the original film still exists just don't watch the remake yeah you know what i mean like yeah and again i think i think what's what's fascinating about this project is that we are talking about movies and projects and things that have been remade a bajillion (laughs) times right Mm -hmm. and like i think i i think that's one of the things that like it just doesn't matter to me right this frankenstein monster that jerks off in the bushes doesn't affect (laughs) my love for the film (laughs) it doesn't affect whatever boris Right. (laughs) Um, and like you know i it's it it is it is funny now because there is kind of like for dracula and frankenstein like i've had discussion where people are like well you know if it's a universal dracula or frankenstein's well that's a bit of a bigger deal and i'm like no it's not like I've seen a bajillion Draculas. Right, like, 
You see Nosferatu? <laughs> that I mean, that's technically Dracula, unlicensed Dracula, and it's been great. No Universal was involved. I mean, pretty much um, any vampire movie is an unlicensed Dracula film. Really? <laughs> I mean, I mean, At this yeah. point, yeah, sure. Exactly, and I and I think that's one of the interesting things about uh, exploring these things about culture that has existed for ages. Mm-hmm. Um, and and is constantly in the, getting remade, um, but it's a little different. But yes, let's let's bring it back a little bit. Well, I mean, I will say one thing about I don't love about the Dracula uh, radio program. It's not the production; mm. it's just the hour time frame. I actually feel like yeah. I'm sort of rushing. It's like the it's it's and they're covering so much of the book that it feels like they're just rushing through it, right? Like it's like the Cliff Notes version of the fucking. It is book, very fast-paced, you know, yes. um, yeah. and I just like it sort of sitting. I think it hurts the atmosphere a little bit. Mm. Yeah, mm. and I think I think one of the things that I was liking because I liked it so much, I was really like, man, I really wish we had gone into more of the like the more wide-reaching uh, Lord, like Lord Alter Harm Holmwood, um, the yeah. the actual love triangle with Lucy yeah. um, that I think really makes that original Dracula really fascinating uh, as a book and they they obviously just have to you know they have to be like all right Quincy Morris you can't be in here we gotta throw you out <laughs> like we, we don't have any time for Quincy yeah. can't even come in uh, or anything like that uh, they really do have to 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 keep it as uh, as limited of a characters that they can without um, you know completely throwing out everything. Um, so there was there was things like that that I was a little bit like, oh, I really would have loved to see how Orson Welles would like formulate <laughs> formulate a script based on this very interesting love triangle uh, that I think just would have been would have been great. Uh, and also, I like I would just love to hear Quincy Morris as performed by <laughs> Orson Welles. Yeah. Because it's like a very much like a cowboy, <laughs> like just shows up in England and fights Dracula, which is the, one of the greatest things about Quincy Morris. Um, but <laughs> other, other than that, uh, <laughs> other than that, everything is just so top notch. And like I, when I was listening to it, I was like, "Was Dracula like?" Because before you get to the credits, you're like, "That Dracula was Orson Welles, right?" Mm. Or was it? Like I'm trying trying to tell, and then you like you get to the credits, and you're like, "Oh." crap it is orson wells doing it and i was really you know really happy with that because i think it's just a very interesting portrayal and a very interesting lead-in uh to do it and i think like i was really surprised by some of the cast like the music was all done by bernard Herman, right which is insane yeah because he was the he was the composer for the mercury theater right so he's just picking them up and bringing them over you know yeah, no, of course that Incredible. that 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 makes total sense. But like you know, talk about someone who would go on. To, talk about someone who would go on to change the face of cinema music For sure. forever, right? Like it's insane. Like <laughs> I guess he went from like one fat man to another fat yeah. man to work. To work with. One, um, I one you know the first one I like a lot more than the second one. Um, <laughs> the, the second one is the horny fuckboy monster yes. uh, of the 1960s yes. yeah. <laughs> but anyways uh kelly what like what really stood out for you about this uh this particular portrayal well um you know i just i okay so you know i like orson wells and so sometimes i just like listening to his voice and so uh uh you know this is just uh 
it's true the story does move very fast but um i still think it has an eerie quality to it and the sound effects and uh and okay honestly i also came off uh, what, uh listening to the frankenstein one oh, first yeah. and then i listened to this one and i was like oh shit this is how radio is supposed to be done <laughs> um and uh so i just uh you know one of the things i kind of took from it was i kind of wish that um I wish that Wells had made a Dracula film. I can't, I mean, you know, this is good. I just can't help but wish for more, mm. you know, all the unfinished things that Wells never did and stuff. But, um, uh, you know, it just, there's a lot of atmosphere to the, to the, um, radio play. And, um, I, you now say that there's a lot of these other ones, uh, on online. And so I'm going to be looking for those because I didn't know that. Nice. Nice. Um, yeah, what, what really stood out about this that made it, uh, really work the extra level for you, uh, Jason? Um, I think it's um, the presence of fantastic actors. Like, I can imagine listening to the Frankenstein one and then listening to the Dracula one, and it's like a, it's like a whole, you know, it's like a it's like a cold drink on a hot day, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, mm-hmm. oh my god, that's refreshing. It's you know, it's the the top notch acting. It's um, you know, and I agree. Like, I I'm the one that uh, levied the criticism of it moving fast, but I do think that there is some um, impressive levels of atmosphere in this. Like, I can turn the lights off and uh, soak it in, you know, um, and be in it. And, you know, I, I just think it's the acting, it's the atmosphere, it's the sound effects, right? That hammering in the, hammering in the um, stake at the end um, is just fantastic. Amazing. Yeah, Amazing. and he did that in front of a live audience. Can you imagine being there um, and seeing that? Or someone else just fucking Gallaghering the fucking <laughs> fuck out of that watermelon? <laughs> you know? <laughs> That'd be amazing. So, yeah, amazing. I, I think it's just like so fascinating because like, you know, I've heard the the very famous War of the Worlds broadcast, of course. Mm. Um, and it and obvi- like the story behind that is definitely exaggerated, because if you listen to that broadcast, like every like 10 minutes is like and now a break from our sponsors to hear about the smoking. Remember, this isn't real. <laughs> Light it up and have some drinks because it like it does not like. It's a it's a great broadcast, but I do think some of the like hullabaloo blue of that is like a little overblown. Are you sure about that? I mean, we're living in a world where people are drinking fucking horse dewormer. <laughs> listen, listen. If it happened today, <laughs> if it happened today, yeah, everyone would go crazy, and we would wake up, and we'd be at a war with a country we don't even right. know the name. There'd be of. a man outside it's my door like... with a red hat telling me the aliens are coming. <laughs> you know, with a shotgun in his hand. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. For sure, for sure. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it, it was really interesting to to hear other like I the very first one that they did, and it was like the first in the series, and like they're putting it all into this broadcast, and I think that I do think that's amazing because in radio, like especially in that day, like there was no guarantee that this would ever be seen more than once right or heard more than once or or done more than once like there are so much radio programs that are lost to time probably great ones that we just will never hear because no one bothered to preserve it uh and it is just kind of amazing 
um, hearing it and hearing the quality because the, the one of the things about the Frankenstein cereal is can you uh, believe that anyone quality. preserved that? that? That's <laughs> well, it's barely preserved. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's like uh, someone didn't do fully do the seal on the pickles. Yeah, that's true. It's not. It's, it's, there's some holes in there. Um, but yeah, it's just, uh, amazing to hear this and imagine yourself in this time period, like turning into the radio and being like, yeah, this is awesome. Woo. And then realizing that, oh shit, I'm in 1938 and it's awful. Um, (laughs) what a terrible place to be in. Honey, would you like a self second helping of dirt? Yes, I would love that (laughs) while I listen to the Dracula radio program. Oh god. More more rocks. Su- more rocks, please. <laughs> I was surprised there was no Renfield in this. That was weird. Yeah. That was that was unique cuz I don't know how if I've seen any or heard any other Dracula telling without Renfield. Um, I also like the um the you kind of wait for the one line where you know the 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 children of the night what music they make and you wait for it and he doesn't ever give you that that that, that line and kind of just moves but on. But they're really it. laying in the fun. flesh of my flesh, blood of my blood. Oh, and that's fuck coming yeah. in every two minutes. Hot <laughs> off. You're like, damn, like there's no subtext anymore. <laughs> like there was barely subtext before, but uh, let yeah. me tell you, there's definitely not after that. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I I think. I don't, uh, without going into like minute by minute, there's not really much else to say about <laughs> this aversion. Uh, anyone else have any last thoughts before we move on to what we're going to have a, a three hour discussion about? No, no I mean, um, my only my only thought is if you haven't heard it, it's totally worth it. It's only an hour. It's free on YouTube. Go listen to it. It's, it rocks. You know? Yeah, I, I, uh, I echo all of that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'll put I'll put the links in the show notes. Um, so if you're interested, you can just click on them and uh, listen to. It's great. It's great. I love that this is preserved. I love to you know get to experience the history of what happens before the very famous broadcast that shook the world. Um, and I was uh, I loved everything about this. So let's go on to the nineteen thirty two. No. Yeah, I've I've been chomping at the bit to talk about this. (laughs) I've been counting the minutes. So we're gonna make make you wait the the longest (laughs) amount of time before you can do that. Uh, Kelly, what did you think about this? It's bad. (laughs) (laughs) But what about it was bad? Um. Okay, uh, the performance of uh, Dr. Frankenstein is just so goofy to me. I don't know. The, the, the dude is always like, you know... Okay, so most of the story takes place with him uh, on the ship, retelling the story to the captain and talking about how, you know, you know, this is what I get for usurping the gods. And, um, uh, <laughs> and it's like, okay, we're getting to a good part. Oh, well, I'm going to take a nap now. We'll see you next episode. Um, and it fucking happens over and over and over. And I was just so fucking sick of this guy. And when he died, I was happy. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, you are 100% right on, on, on all fronts. Um, it was so funny because for me, my experience with this was like, you know, I, I went for a walk at night and I was like kind of listening to the Dracula one. I'm like, oh man, like that was awesome. That was really fun. So I got home. I was like, I'm going to lay in bed. I'm going to turn off all the lights, lay down in bed, you know, really get into the mood for this Frankenstein one. 
And then I'm listening. And I'm listening. <laughs> and I go, okay, I guess I'm turning on the lights. There's nothing happening here. <laughs> there's no, there's no extra, extra creepy levels happening here. It's uh, exactly <laughs> as delivered. Um, and uh, yeah, it is uh, hammy as all hell. Uh, but kind of like fun really fun to experience for me mm-hmm. uh, I had a really really fun time with this because it's really I don't know if I've ever really had another Frankenstein movie that was so overacted like any Frankenstein <laughs> ever rules. like it was so, <laughs> it was so interesting because so oftentimes it's like a lot of these lines are delivered like very like under their breath kind of thing mm-hmm. like very like serious like they're like I challenged the gods. I can't believe it. Yeah. Like, what am I doing? And this one is like, I have challenged the gods. <laughs> you're, like, you're like, dude, this is radio. You don't have to go to the back. <laughs> you just see the, see the mic. The mic will get it out to everyone. Chill out, dude. <laughs> uh, and then they brought in Julio and I <laughs> lost it. I lost it. Cause I was like, what? Are you serious? Yes, my master. My name is Julio. <laughs> I'm just like, of any name, any name in the history of names, I think that's the worst name for the assistant of Frankenstein. Can you imagine if instead of Igor now, we had like Julio everywhere? Like there's like a, you know, an animated movie starring Julio, the assistant. <laughs> everywhere you look uh, in Halloween, there's like Julio... Uh, advertisements and stuff like that. Uh, I can't even imagine it. Jason, I will finally unshackle you. I will finally let the I will finally let the monster off of his chains. So, um, um, go go. Well, ahead. I'm gonna share a little anecdote. Um, I was folding laundry while listening to this. You know, just in my room <laughs> folding laundry. Um, my kids are still up, right? And it starts with that first fucking monologue from Frankenstein's monster where he's basically like I've been living in the woods watching people hiding living in trees um and I need a woman I'm miserable I'm disgusting I'm a wretched human being and my like kid walks in and she's like is he okay <laughs> <laughs> Because she thinks I'm on the she thinks I'm on the phone talking to (laughs) (laughs) and I'm like you know it's just Andrew he's having a rough night. (laughs) Okay, we haven't we haven't sent him everything that we have in our house the the you know that room that you used to sleep in uh, that you no longer can sleep in yeah he's still really freaking out he hasn't really got it all yet so um but like I. Um, Kelly's completely correct. Andrew's completely correct. This is terrible, but it also at the same time it fucking rules. Like it is, it is completely repetitive because you have thirteen, and it's like I don't know, sixteen minutes or something like that. So whatever, um, varying fifteen minute to sixteen minute um increments, and like the first five minutes is the recap of the last ten minutes that you listen to every <laughs> single fucking time. He's like. <laughs> Victor Frankenstein's like, I just woke up from my nap, and please repeat what I told you last time so that we can catch everybody up before we sell some tang. I just love so much, like, the way that they, like, to end every episode, it is the exact same 
thing. And like we at one point, he's like he's like telling the story, and then the monster barges in. <laughs> And the monster, like, barges in, and, like, the guy who's getting the story told to him, the captain, just, like, shits his pants, and is like, oh, God. Oh, at the end, the last I'm so scared. Yeah. But, no, and, and I was like, oh, so this is the <laughs> oh, no, yeah. And then I, like, I look at the thing, and I was like, there's another hour. How the fuck is there another <laughs> hour of this? The monster, he's in bed. The monster showed up, and the monster said, I'm going to kill you. And I'm like, okay, do it then. Like, what are you waiting for? I'm like, what's going on? And then the monster goes like, Later. <laughs> Later, I will kill you. Um, there's a segment. <laughs> there's a segment where, like, you know, so the pre the I mean, this does follow the premise of the book very closely. The problem is here you're only dealing with dialogue, right? So like all the other stuff is like taken out out. So you're just like have it seems like all that happens in the Frankenstein story because of that is just the monster showing up and fucking talking shit and saying you want a woman and then leaving <laughs> and then coming back again and being like, did you make it? I want to be knee deep in pussy in a week <laughs> and then leaves again. You know what I mean? Like that's and if you don't, I will kill Not everyone, wrong. you know, and everyone you've ever met and I will murder and torture you. See you later. But even after that happens, and after he so doesn't make, funny. he's like halfway through the woman, and then he's like, nah, I'm not doing this. Screw this. <laughs> no. so I'm going on vacation, so, like flip it over. So there's this segment he, where he comes in and demands the bride, and eventually, <laughs> eventually he goes to like this remote island to build the Bride of Frankenstein, right? So <laughs> the the monster comes in while he's there, threatens him, says, "I want the the you know I I want to have I want this woman. You better build me a Frankenstein is essentially an incel, right? Like he's like that's I, I want build me a trad wife. Like that's basically what's happening, right? So he he's demanding that of Victor, and then <laughs> the monster leaves, and Victor's like fuck that and destroys it, right? And mm -hmm. then the monster appears right back immediately. Like, I was watching you through the window, and I saw what you did. <laughs> yeah, I just, like, like the monster just comes in, like, oh, hey, uh, did you see my left bolt? I dropped it somewhere. Later. Uh, wait a minute. I had to stop, and I laughed for 10 minutes straight. I thought it was the funniest <laughs> fucking thing, because basically what happened is the monster, it was like a Simpsons joke. Like, he left, yes. and was just watching through the window. <laughs> Victor's, like, just trying to fucking <laughs> So stupid. Just, like, I just love it, too. Because, again... This is when the monster shows up, and monster's like, "I will now destroy everything you love." And I'm like, "Oh God, what's he, he's gonna do?" Some stuff, and then he just leaves again. And I'm like, "Okay, mm -hmm. whatever." But the month before he fully leaves that island, he then kills his friend, <laughs> who is there. Why? Like when he goes, "I will kill everything you love." His friend is sitting there, and like. We're not, we're not very close. Like it's fine. <laughs> uh, like, you don't love me. Like, don't worry about it. We're good. I, I love that him killing him is the one thing he kind of was like. Okay, I kind of regret killing that guy. Um, <laughs> you know, when I did that, I think I went overboard a little bit. Sometimes I have like, impulse control problems. <laughs> <laughs> he has that conversation. He's like, I know I promised not to kill anyone, but I did it. I couldn't stop myself. I'm sorry. That, that's like near the very end where he's asking to be friends after he just yes, murdered yes, his yes. wife. He wants to be friends. Yes. It's like, look, I know I murdered your wife, <laughs> but she was your cousin. It was weird. 
<laughs> couldn't allow this to continue. I had to. I was doing you a favor, really. If you it's think that about same it, same conversation. He's like, I've been laying on top of your roof for three weeks, waiting for the opportunity <laughs> yeah. to jump through the window, and you never thought of looking up there, did you? You never thought of looking up. Oh my god, that part was fucking that part died. Me out actually a little bit. <laughs> Just jump through a window. This is so fucking stupid. Oh god. So funny. It is so funny I, because it's just, yeah. it's, yeah, you know, it's, it's just wild. It's just wild. Cause like, I also love how, uh, like, um, unsure of himself, Dr. Frankenstein is, you know, where he's like, you know, we're, we're used to, you know, I'm going to create life motherfuckers. And he's like, you know, if I do this right, I think I might maybe be able to create life. We'll see. <laughs> um, tr- don't, don't talk me out of this just yet. You know? <laughs> And I, I just kind of love that about it. One of one of my favorite scenes is like the very end of this is when like you know he like Doctor Frankenstein dies. The creature comes up to like you know get it, pick him up, and like you know do whatever to him. And in the process of getting to the boat, he gets shot. And he's just like, "I've been shot." And I'm like, "Okay, cool. That means he can't do a long-winded speech. He's gonna be done. He's, he's <laughs> oh, no. He is preparing to die. He will just like." Do something and flip over, whatever. He's off the boat. We're all done. <laughs> and then he proceeds to say, like, probably like two episodes worth of speech. Like, I swear <laughs> to God. He's just like, and then. <laughs> like, I can just only imagine, like, if you are the fuck one of the guys who shot him, you're like, can you just fucking die? Like, we want to go home. Like, we are barely connected to this. Like, I really take the body and go. Can you imagine like a film adaptation of this? that's exactly the same. Oh it would be God. amazing. <laughs> I just, I would love a, like an adaptation of this where like he's like clearly like leaking fluid, yes. and it's like, <laughs> and it keeps going, like, and it doesn't stop, and he goes through the entire soliloquy. <laughs> While he's just, like, spraying, like, a nozzle, like, blood everywhere. Do you think that, like, a young Mel Brooks heard this and, like, that's why he made (laughs) Young Frankenstein? Because he uses the name Frankenstein. He calls him Frankenstein. And here's the thing. Mel Brooks is not, like, just a passing level Frankenstein nerd. Yeah, Dude is, like, a for real ass Frankenstein nerd. (laughs) Yeah. Like, if you you (laughs) watch... If you watch The Son of Frankenstein and then you watch Young Frankenstein, Young Frankenstein is almost like beat for beat a parody of Son of Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so well done. Like, and so yeah, like it's awesome. very, it's very one of Brooks specific. best movies for sure. Yeah, it is. And oh, like the, the jokes are very, very specific. Um, and he always talks about like how much he loves this stuff. So like I I have no doubt that he maybe he heard it or maybe he like because this got re-released in like the 70s mm. on like um so i think a- after that but like there was like a a version of this on record or something yeah. at one point and and i can only imagine the disappointment of a child getting that record like, <laughs> mommy mommy look it's frankenstein it's oh. boris karloff wow i can't no, wait to hear what he says <laughs> it's like, uh-uh. no, i don't think so kid that's not that's not boris karloff <laughs> Um, <laughs> I mean, this, yeah, yeah. I'm just sad that Chulio didn't make it into Young Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been great. Julio. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Julio is, like, so insane, like, of a name choice. <laughs> like, it's just, 
And like, what is he, he, he describes him in a certain way that just made me laugh like really hard. Cause it's like a really weird way to describe like a, a person. Uh, and it was, I think it was just like weak of mind, but strong of body <laughs> or yeah, like something, yeah, something, something like that. <laughs> like he wasn't very bright, but he had a keen interest in helping me do my tasks. And you're just like, what? There was, a, there was another part of this that really made me laugh. And that was the part where like, um, Dr. Frankenstein's with um, his wife, right? Um, it's cousin wife. Cousin wife. Cousin yes. wife. Um, and she's like, "You're such a little bitch. Why don't you just go out there and shoot Frankenstein? You made him. You're a piece of shit if you don't go out there and do it." And he's like, "Okay, wife, you're right. I'm a piece of shit. I'll go out there and kill him." And she's like, "No, don't go. Don't. What are yeah, you doing? Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't mean what I, I said. Like, Listen." What? <laughs> We just need to to fill 15 minutes. You can't go now. No, you can't. We have five. We have eight more episodes. Don't leave. What are you doing? So funny. I love other scenes with uh, uh, the husband and wife where, you know, he's kind of trying to kind of reckon with what he's done. And he's like, no, I don't want to think about that. <laughs> it's like, you, you created life. It, 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 it murdered a bunch of people, including your adopted son. I don't really want to think about it anymore. It gives me, you know. <laughs> yeah. I can, love that you're basically you doing a Tommy Wiseau for fucking Dr. Frankenstein. <laughs> it's 100% <laughs> <accurate>. <laughs> I Julio, why don't you life. come into the bedroom with us and watch us make love? <laughs> I did not create life. I did not. I did not. I did not create life. I did not. <laughs> I am very tired. You have to let me sleep. Let me sleep. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> that would be amazing. That's like, basically that would, what this is. Would... It's yeah. amazing. I... I think like this, like this one in particular is something that like I would put on at the background of a Halloween party, like a hundred percent. Like I would have this on the Halloween playlist. So every once in a while I get someone like, what the fuck are you playing? <laughs> what the fuck is this? Oh God. Yeah. This like, um, I'd have to smoke like six ounces of fucking weed, um, or eat a whole <laughs> bunch of edibles and this could be really enjoyable. I'll be honest. I think this is kind of... I mean, hey, if you don't want trick-or-treaters this year, just crank up the speakers and start playing this. Because, like, as soon as they hear, like, and then I said this, you'd be like, the kids are walking away. They're like, no, Grandpa does not have any cookies. I mean, this is literally three hours of Frankenstein just screaming about how he wants (laughs) an undead bride to bang. Like, that's literally what this is. It's like... Such a fuck <laughs> Like it's so funny because it's like it's like oh, I'm a nice guy. I didn't mean to kill those people. Like I'm nice. I'm not like the other undead folk. Okay, <laughs> I'm not like them. All right. Yeah. And like meanwhile, like if you like, he has like headphones and you can hear him listen to Joe Rogan. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm totally different. I'm not like the other guys. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like what what do you think he did in the woods? Like he was like, jerking off versions... by the tree is what he was doing in the woods. <laughs> it, the 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 blind man is from the books, right? Like I thought he was. Or was that just a Bride of Frankenstein invention? I always get those mixed mixed up. Yes. Like I, yes. Yeah. Yes to what? He, he is in the book. <laughs> oh okay. <laughs> okay, I was like <laughs> Yeah, but why do they not have the why did they not include the blind man then? Like that would have been so. I guess, 
I guess from like this perspective, it's like literally impossible for him to be like, and then I spied him in the woods talking with the blind man, and I said nothing. But because like it's all from like Frankenstein's perspective to to this yeah. like bored as fuck <laughs> Arctic captain who's like stuck in this stuck in the ice and being like. There's fucking nothing else to do, buddy. Just get up. Get up. Give me my stories. Come on. Come on. Get, the only thing I would have made this better get, is if the captain just hung himself before the fucking end of this. <laughs> oh, my God. The captain's just like, fuck <laughs> this. Or if the captain just didn't exist. Like, <laughs> <here's> my... <laughs> it's just Julio in a captain's hat. <laughs> it's like right before he dies, he's like, I always knew it was you, Julio. <laughs> Why did you put on the fake mustache? Oh, uh, no. <sighs> I do. One of the like, favorite parts of this is like when, again, when, you know, Frankenstein like barges in, scares the crap out of the captain. After he leaves, the captain is like, well, I mean, you don't, don't like tell people about how like scared I was or nothing. Like, yeah. You know, everyone gets scared sometimes. You know, I just kind of like lost control of my faculties. Not a big deal. Like, it's fine. Let's just not talk about it anymore, please. Don't tell any of my guys. Don't tell them. I don't want a mutiny, okay? Like, calm down. Yeah. And I, uh, I do love how they do imply that there's like a potential mutiny because yeah. nobody wants him on board. Like yeah. they're, they're like they're like all the guys who are on the boat are like we saw that giant undead guy just like show up, make him make a yell, and then leave. Uh, get this guy off of this ship. <laughs> we do not want this dude on the ship. Two things. Um, also, I wanted to bring up <clears throat> one. Um, <clears throat> Dr. Frankenstein shoots fucking the monster once, hurts him, and is like, he's impervious to bullets. Meanwhile, he's like bleeding. And he's not. <laughs> right? There's no way of killing him. He shot him once and he was like, oh, motherfucker! And then like just walked away. All right? That happened. He healed from the wounds. <laughs> he like... Yeah. Four months <laughs> like, yeah, later like, when he showed back he up walked... again. Exactly. <laughs> like multiple months later. He's got some type of regenerative ability. <laughs> like, yeah, like you brought him back to like just normal regeneration. What, what, are you a hemophiliac? Like, what do you think happens when people dig? Um, oh, <laughs> the other thing is like the, at the end, the monster goes on this big diatribe about how Dr. Frankenstein's a liar. And the monster's like, I never lie. I, you know, I'm not a liar. I never lie. Motherfucker, you promised not to murder somebody like fucking two episodes ago and then did it <laughs> an hour later. What do you mean? What are you talking about? And Frankenstein Everything never Frankenstein... calls him out on that shit. Yeah, no. Every... Everything that Dr. Frankenstein said was fake news, okay? <laughs> Sit down. I'm still bleeding. I'm still bleeding, but we're going to write another story, and it's going to be the real story, yeah. okay? The re And he just, like, continue leaking. <laughs> and then the captain's like, look, man, it's a fucking long trip home. Why the fuck not? Yeah, yeah dude, just fucking, yep, you know, let's hear it. And then it just goes on for another three hours of just from Frankenstein's perspective. I mean, I think, I think it's intended to, like, illustrate his diseased mind or whatever, but it never, like... It can't hammer that point home because it's just those two idiots screaming into a microphone for three <laughs> hours, right? Like, that's it. This would have been so much fun to, like, be one of the actors. <laughs> like, it's just wild. Uh, I would have loved to do, like, Foley for this. Like, that would have been so much fun. Like, 
love the full manga stories. I would have loved to have been the monster and do, do that fucking laugh that happens every single time he shows up. <laughs> <laughs> like, I guess the monster's here. That's uh, so fucking funny. Oh, God. So yeah, Kelly, what's your final thoughts on this? Like, what 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 do you take away from the three hour experience of 1932's Frankenstein? Um, <coughs> those were a long three hours. It <laughs> <laughs> was a tough one. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, it's bad. It's funny. But and, and I'm I'm having fun talking about it now, but uh, I'll never do that again. <laughs> Jason, um, how many times have you listened to this? Um, I'm gonna listen to it right after this. I'm gonna put it on, and be like, wife, listen to this while we go to bed. <laughs> um, this <laughs> and my wife left me, but as such, I had to go to the Arctic. <laughs> Um, this is like a three hour radio equivalent of the room. Like, I, I think this is the radio equivalent <laughs> yeah. of the room. Like, I think people could turn this into a cult classic. Like, honestly, I, I think people could do that. Yeah, I would probably say it's more in the akin of like, you know, plan nine from outer sure. space where it's like, it's very much like a, a very like earnest attempt, which makes it funnier. I think because mm. like, I don't think they were like like you're phoning this in like i think that they were really trying and there's like always charm of bad things where it's like so genuine and they really are trying to go all out and like really try to do something and you know it's i feel bad for laughing at that obviously but it does make it more fun to be like oh like this is something that they were trying all and put it all in there and it just doesn't work but it's so much fun and there is a whole other level to appreciate it at, and I, I don't know, I think that's... But Kelly's correct, it, it is the longest... If if you are preparing your mind to listen to Frankenstein, like a great Frankenstein, this is madness. <laughs> but there is, there is charm to it. It is the most charming uh, three-hour epic about a horny <laughs> fuckboy monster that I've ever listened to, and probably ever will again. Yeah, yeah, you, you know. Oh my exactly. god! Exactly. Well, uh, Jason, where can we find you on the internet? Oh, you know, um, trolling Twitter, looking for my undead bride at Bad Attitude eighty six <laughs> on Twitter. Yeah. Kelly, wherefore art thou? Can you be found? I'm on Twitter at Anxiety Song, uh, and uh, I also do the podcast One Miss Pod. Oh my god, doesn't the monster say he has anxiety in this? I totally forgot about <laughs> Did that. He the monster say that? definitely. He has yeah, he definitely goes, I have anxiety. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my god, it's like this is therapy hour. Hello. <laughs> Listen, Frankenstein, get off my case. I have anxiety. It makes me kill people. I can't help it. Ah. <laughs> uh. And speaking of anxiety that makes you kill people, you can always follow me on Twitter at, at @wineunert. Um, thank you for listening. All of our sources will be in the in the show notes, along with uh, places where you can uh, click on the link and experience some of the things that we are talking about for ourselves. Next week, we are going to the 90s with Mary Shelley's Frankenstein and Bram Stoker's, Dr- and Bram Stoker's Dracula. Wah, wah, wah. See you then. Bye.